Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is regulatory compliance. I'm privileged to be speaking with Dwayne Mellencon, Vice President of Corporate and Business Development with Tripwire. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Dwayne, just to get started, why don't you take just a second to introduce Tripwire and yourself and your role with the company? Okay, sure. So Tripwire is a software company, and we focus on helping people audit and control their environment, their IT environment. So basically what that means is allowing them to gain uh, intense visibility and uh, hold people accountable for doing things properly when they're managing and interacting with their IT infrastructure. So it's everything from, you know, security policies to regulatory compliance to, you know, making sure that people follow basic hygiene in their operational practices. And what we do is provide visibility across the infrastructure and give you the ability to very quickly determine where you are, how that compares to your policies, and what you need to do to bring things back in compliance if they happen to be out of compliance. And we also provide you the ability to uh, report on that at any point in time on demand through either dashboards or detailed reports that can be handed off to uh, practitioners to resolve issues. And uh, from uh, my own personal perspective, uh, I'm responsible for Tripwire's relationships with our strategic partners, but I also spend a lot of time dealing with our customers out in the field. So um, one of the other aspects of my job is providing people with guidance on how to achieve automated compliance, because I happen to be a certified IT auditor uh, as well as a Tripwire employee, and uh, I spend a lot of time helping people sort of navigate the world of compliance and determine how to implement strong IT controls to be able to satisfy the needs and the, uh, the sort of demands and questions that auditors will show up with when uh, it comes time to sit down and have an audit performed. Well, that's great, because I wanted to ask you about your customer experience. We're all sitting back and watching what's happening in, in the economy over the past few months. What are you hearing from your customers in terms of the ties between the economic conditions and their regulatory compliance efforts? Well, I, you know, I definitely hear a lot of uncertainty out there. So, you know, I think people are we're already a little bit skeptical about, uh, you know, particularly some of the privacy regulations and personal financial regulations and things like, you know, the PCI standards for payment card industry. Because even though these things have been around for a while, they're still hearing all of, you know, these news stories about high-profile uh, credit card breaches and, you know, people stealing information. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, when you hear all of these issues with, you know, banks and, uh, you know, some of the lenders and credit crisis and all this kind of stuff, I think people get a little nervous and, you know, they're starting, what I'm hearing is that they're hoping that there's a lot more oversight and a lot more demand for reassurance uh, that, you know, not only are cu customers uh, or companies rather aware of uh, their compliance requirements, but they're, they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, so I think what's interesting to me is that the uh, financial services industry kind of seems to be in the middle of all of this, even though historically they're pretty much the most heavily regulated um, industry as far as internal control. So it's, it's kind of interesting that even though there are all these regulations, uh, they're still having all these issues. And we think a lot of it gets down to whether they've actually operationalized best practices for being compliant over time or whether they're just kind of taking an ad hoc approach. And, um, you know, I think obviously we would prefer to see an automated and integrated approach. Dwayne, we've talked an awful lot about consumer confidence over the past few months. What's the tie between regulatory compliance and this confidence? Well, 
you know, people see um, banks. I mean, you know, you watch old movies and things like that, and people see banks as this, you know, this secure, safe place uh, to store their assets. And you know, I think people want to to believe that financial services uh, industries and you know anybody who's dealing with their personal financial information or personal medical information, whatever it is, uh, that they're actually taking care of that information and you know safeguarding the assets, but. Um, you know, trust only goes so far, and just hearing these organizations say trust me really isn't working very well. So now I think people are starting to ask for proof, you know, and saying, hey, you know, show me what you're supposed to be doing, you know, what others expect you to do as an institution, and then demonstrate that you're doing that. So give me some reassurance. You know, it's not just enough for me to see a, a big fancy building and a, a nice logo. I want to actually see what are your practices and, you know, how do I know you're following the rules? So one of the things we hear pretty consistently from institutions is that they're very willing to make investments in technology. And, but they've got in services, but they've got to be able to see a real business case there. So if you're looking at, say, configuration assessment, change management for a financial institution, where do you find the business case, the real bottom line value for those investments? Well, yeah, I think you know one of the other phenomena that I've seen over the last few years is people are, are often looking for a quick fix, and you know a lot of this gets down to things that aren't really quick fixes. They're about having you know strong policies and strong controls to hold people accountable to those policies, and those things a lot of times will require a little more um, you know investment in terms of cultural change within the organization, you know, creating consequences when people don't do the right thing. Uh, but I think the payoff is really that you have much better ability to manage risk. And, uh, you know, that can be measured in terms of uh, better security posture, um, you know, reduced cost of compliance, better efficiency, operational effectiveness, you know, fewer outages because there's less variance and less, uh, you know, sort of uh, flying by the seat of the pants going on in the organization. Because, you know, really at the end of the day, if people are able to institute firm policies and support that with good technology controls, then it makes it easier for their people to do the right thing. And when people do the right thing, it serves the business very well. So, you know, not only are they not doing things that are risky for the business, but they're also becoming more efficient and proficient at what they do so that, uh, you know, you, you allow people to become better at operating, you know, your IT infrastructure over time and better at producing evidence that they're actually doing it consistently and in accordance with the, the organization's policies or the external regulatory policies that they have to be compliant with. So, you know, I think all that pays off in terms of reduced operating cost, in terms of uh, reduced rework. You know, one of the things that we see a lot of times is that because people take a very ad hoc approach to compliance, uh, they may end up you know, redoing the same controls manually every month or every quarter. And that's, you know, it's not very efficient. So what we like to see is more of an integrated automated approach where, you know, the, the repetitive tasks that are required for compliance are actually handled sort of automatically. And then you can manage by exception um, by dealing with just, you know, normal daily dashboards that are part of your normal operating procedures. And that way, you know, you don't end up in this situation where there's a big fire drill every time uh, an audit is coming. You can actually operate on a daily basis in a compliant mode. Dwayne, one of the things you've talked about at Tripwire are, are the five core competencies of compliance. Could you outline those for us 
and tell us how financial institutions might approach those competencies? Uh, sure. So the first one is around assessments. So um, from an assessment perspective, a lot of this gets down to understanding what you have and whether you can trust it. So uh, from an assessment perspective, we recommend that you um, you know, look at your infrastructure and your practices based on external standards and known best practices in the industry. And, you know, we provide a lot of that information out of the box. So, you know, we've done a lot of the heavy lifting on finding out what the best practices are and codifying them within our product um, so that, you know, from day one, people can actually assess where they stand based on industry best practices, but you also have the ability to tune that for your own internal policies. And we find that just knowing where you are is a huge step forward for a lot of organizations. And, you know, that allows you to, to get better visibility into the infrastructure. Um, but knowing where you are is only part of it. So the next step is um, really to achieve the competency where you can hold people accountable. So accountability is a big thing here. Um, you know, I've been in... Uh, involved in a, a number of audits and you know one of the things that is often very difficult for people to answer is this uh, you know how do I know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or what I like to call the so what test you know so um, people may have a policy it could be documented it, you know, a lot of people can know about it but you know one of the questions I'll ask a lot of times is okay so what so if someone goes around this policy circumvents it does the wrong thing what will happen to them and in a lot of organizations, the answer is nothing. And it, it's not necessarily because, you know, they're not willing to take action, but it's mostly because uh, they lack the visibility to be able to detect when people are not doing the right thing. And that's where these automated controls really come in handy because you can, you know, uh, for example, you may have a policy that says developers are not allowed to make changes in production. It's very hard to... Uh, to, to enforce that unless you have some automated mechanism in place to detect all changes and measure those changes back to who made the changes and whether they were authorized to make those changes. So, you know, for example, one of the reports we provide is an unauthorized change report where you can see if people made changes to systems they weren't supposed to touch and who those people were so that you can immediately go and talk to those people with evidence to instill some accountability and say, hey, you just broke the rules. We need to do something about that. And what we find is that very quickly that in itself will create cultural changes where people recognize they're not going to be able to get away with just, you know, skirting the rules or violating policies because, uh, you know, they're a little bit difficult to follow or they require extra steps. And we find that that it becomes a very self-reinforcing mechanism where, you know, the accountability really drives success in a lot of the other areas. Um, obviously, that requires the third competency, which is auditing. And auditing is really where not only do you ensure that you can see what's happening, but that the controls that you've designed are in place and effective. Auditing is how you provide evidence on demand. And um, auditing is, you know, it can be things like um, ongoing testing of the environment to ensure that your configuration standards are being adhered to. It can be checking to make sure that people are not going outside of their roles and responsibilities. It can be checking for, uh, you know, simple things like making sure that uh, when an employee leaves the company that their access to your important systems gets terminated. You know, so there are, there are a lot of aspects to this, but what it really gets down to is measuring what's really happening against what's supposed to be happening and providing detailed reports to allow people to actually manage. Uh, 
from that. Um, the next competency is configuration management. And configuration management is really about creating consistency in the environment, consistency of practice. So configuration management is the act of making changes and configuring IT infrastructure. And uh, the easiest way to be able to trust what you have is to be able to hold people accountable to certain standards. So you know, one of the risks in a lot of organizations is that because people are involved in configuration management, you know, there's oftentimes a lot of individual variance depending on who made a particular change or who deployed a particular piece of software. And uh, what we find is that an automated means of validating the configuration management results actually reduces configuration variance, reduces operational risk, and makes it so that you know, no matter who you assign the task to, you get very similar results. And that's a key in uh, being able to scale and being able to prove compliance. Because you know, one of the analogies I've heard is that if you have a 1,000 servers that are configured insecurely but identically, those are actually easier to manage than a 1,000 servers that are configured very securely but all different. Because um, you know, it's much easier to manage servers as a group and that it is to go and deal with individual servers with individual personalities. And configuration management is the means to instill that kind of operational consistency in any IT organization. Um, and then the final uh, fifth competency is really around change control. So um, change control really is the way that you can prevent people from you know, creating a wild, wild west kind of an environment uh, in your IT infrastructure. So you know, one of the, the risks, and you know, I mentioned this policy of not allowing uh, developers to make changes directly in production before. One of the reasons that exists is because uh, developers tend to make changes to fix things, but don't necessarily document what they do very well. So uh, change management processes and change control are really a, a, a means to provide you know, bottlenecks or funnels to allow limited numbers of people to touch your production infrastructure in a very controlled way. And it allows you to very quickly look across your environment and ensure that you know about all your changes and that you can vouch for them and you know, verify that not only are they authorized, with, but that they're made at the right time to the right systems by the right people and be able to detect exceptions very, very quickly. So uh, you know, when you put those things together, assessments, accountability, auditing, configuration management, and change control, you have a very solid posture for achieving very efficient and effective IT infrastructure management. Well, Dwayne, that all makes sense. I guess the question I have is, is you know, where's the entry point? In other words, you've outlined you know, the competencies here. What practical steps would you advise to a banking institution to follow to be able to you know, sort of assess where they are jump on the bandwagon here and achieve compliance efficiently and effectively? Well, a lot of it starts with really getting a strong understanding of what you're expected to comply with. So, um, you know, depending on the standards of the regulation, uh, regulations and the policies that you have to comply with, uh, you know, some are very vague, some are very specific. Uh, I think starting with what you know and what's left up to interpretation is a good place where you, you know you can come up with uh, a plan based on the requirements you know so um, I'd say the first is just to really get a strong understanding of what what your requirements are and then 
the next step I advise is to do a top-down risk-based assessment of your environment. So understand what controls are in place, uh, where there may be gaps, and um, we recommend that people think of controls in three categories. So there are preventive controls, which are designed really to help people do um, the right thing. You know, so these can be things like workflow diagrams, uh, roles and responsibilities, uh, standard operating procedures that are documented so that anybody in the organization sees the same version of them and so forth. Um, so those are basically, you know, I, I kind of think of them as the ropes that define the swim lanes. So, you know, you're expecting, you're telling people what's expected of them and how they should operate inside the environment. Uh, the next aspect of controls are, are detective controls. And detective controls are the controls that detect when people do not do what they should be doing. So uh, they're kind of the, you know, to use the swim lane analogy, they're the things that detect when you drift out of your lane. And uh, those can be things like, you know, tripwire, for example, is a detective control in a lot of environments where, you know, because we can see all these changes across the infrastructure, we can very quickly determine when people make a change that's not compliant or that's made by the wrong person or against the wrong um, set of systems. Um, so those kinds of things allow you to very quickly know when things are, are not going well and manage by exception. Um, and that allows you to then kick into the third category of controls, which are the corrective controls. And corrective controls are how you put things back in compliance. And that can be anything from, you know, scripts to uh, restore settings, um, you know, backup and restore uh, processes. Um, and then, you know, in the tripwire world, we've tried to make that easier by providing very detailed remediation guidance so that, you know, this allows you to, when you see something that's configured in a non-compliant way, um, we provide all the step-by-step -step information to bring that setting or those settings back in compliance. You can assign that to someone, and even a very junior level administrator can operate very consistently within the bounds of the company's policy and bring it back into compliance. So those those controls work together to, you know, help people do the right thing, detect when they're not, and then fix it when things are out of compliance. Um, so we find that really focusing on the policies and the controls makes the most sense for most organizations. And, you know, um, it's also best to focus on systems that have risk. Because we find that a lot of organizations waste a lot of time on, you know, incidental systems that really have no business impact if they get compromised or if they're misconfigured. You know, so really your ROI comes when you focus on the most risky systems, the ones most subject to regulations, and the ones most critical to the business's operations. That does make sense. Now, earlier we talked about how you make the business case for these types of investment. Let's go to the end of this. We've automated compliance. Where are we going to find the return on investment? Uh, well, the ROI really comes in several different areas. Uh, you know, one, you are able to monitor what's happening in your environment all the time. So that visibility actually provides value to the business because when something goes wrong, it's generally because um, you know something's out of whack somewhere, and you know that could be the result of a, a rogue change or a mistake or something like that. So being able to detect that very quickly will reduce outages. Um, your response time for things like security investigations and uh, so forth, and you know holding people accountable to their service level agreements and things like that will actually uh, help uh, pay off as well. 
Um, from a compliance perspective, because we've been talking a lot about compliance, the ROI really comes in the efficiency in the process. Because you know, there's there's a couple of dynamics here. Uh, first is that you know when you treat an audit as an event rather than an ongoing posture, um, you end up you know wasting a lot of time finding information to be able to prove you're doing what you should be doing. You know, digging through emails to get approvals, and you know all kinds of things that are very time consuming. Um, if you implement uh, an integrated, automated compliance approach, you know, using IT controls, then you know, finding all that information is automatic. It becomes part of your daily dashboard and your daily reports, so you don't waste a lot of time, you know, digging for information. You don't waste a lot of time trying to produce custom reports for auditors. You know, those things just come as a byproduct of the business. Um, you know, when you put those things together, what you find is that um, you know you're able to spend a lot less time trying to figure out what happened, and spend you know you're much more efficient at it because you can look at what actually did happen and figure out what you want to do about it. So it's you know it's like instead of looking for a needle in a haystack, you just start with the needles and figure out what you want to do about them. And the ROI uh, that we've seen, you know, it comes very quickly and as people start to see the value of this, you also see that uh, you know they tend to in our world a lot of times people may start with you know a subset of their systems that require compliance uh, reporting, and then they very quickly expand from there because they see that you know this adds value not just in the world of your compliant um, you know your your regulated servers but across the i t infrastructure because any piece of infrastructure that delivers service for the business requires the same kind of hygiene, you know, that same assessment, accountability, auditing, configuration management, and change control. So, you know, it really does become something that adds value back to the business every day. At the outset of our conversation, you talked about the time that you spend with customers, and I'm curious, especially in financial services, even if you can't name a specific customer, can you give us a good, for instance, of a customer that has sort of gone down this path and realized the types of benefits you've discussed? Uh, sure. So um, one example is Rothschild Bank in Zurich. Um, so when we started working with them, you know, they had a, a real challenge trying to get visibility across their very distributed, very diverse um, IT infrastructure, you know, multiple locations, lots of different vendor environments in place, um, you know, everything, servers, network devices, databases, all sorts of uh, types of infrastructure, you know, virtual machines and hypervisors and so forth. And, um, you know, so what they were looking to us to do is help them implement an automated and really cost-efficient method to monitor the change activity across that diverse infrastructure. Uh, the other aspect was because of all their regulatory requirements, they have a lot of uh, you know banking-specific regulations as well as some that are very similar to things like Sarbanes-Oxley around financial reporting. Um, they needed to be able to establish accountability uh, by implementing more stringent change in access control and process control. Um, so we went in and helped them uh, actually monitor uh, across their servers, their Active Directory, and a lot of other pieces of their infrastructure uh, to give them complete visibility into all the change that was happening there. Uh, we actually analyzed the changes and rec reconciled those back to uh, 
change authorization. So we can very quickly tell them when people are making unauthorized changes. That also provides them the information that they need to, you know, not only manage risk or, uh, you know, hold people accountable for internal security policies, but uh, when they're dealing with bank auditors, they actually have all the information as part of their normal operating reports to be able to show when exceptions have happened, what they've done about them, and prove that their controls are in place and effective. So, you know, the results that we were able to achieve there have been that, you know, they're monitoring all their change 24-7, and they were able to do that without increasing staff headcount. You know, so that's, that's a key in today's environment. A lot of people don't have the discretion to, to add staff. Um, so to the extent that we can add these implemented, automated controls, implement them, and allow people to manage it without increasing their staff, you know, that in itself adds a lot of value and ROI back to the business. But where they saw the real results were really um, in better response time. When questionable changes happened, uh, they were able to investigate them and resolve them very quickly. Um, and when it came time to sit down for regulatory compliance audits, they found they spent much less time you know, sort of uh, babysitting the auditors and proving that, uh, that they had the, you know, sort of uh, history of good operating hygiene to achieve compliance. They were actually able to provide the auditors themselves with some report logins and allow them to just kind of look through the information themselves and get the assurance that they needed to be able to, uh, you know, reduce the amount of time and money that they spent on audits. Well, it's a great example. Dwayne, can you give us any sort of a sense of time frame, how long it takes to achieve those types of results? Um, typically, it's, you know, within a few months. Uh, we've seen organizations, you know, it kind of depends on what's in place. We've seen organizations start to achieve uh, results and pass audits in 30 days. You know, some organizations that are more complex, it may take a few months. But, you know, we're talking uh, weeks and months, not uh, months and years. You know, so this is, it's very rapid um, implementation. And a lot of organizations, like Rothschild Bank, for example, uh, brought in our professional services team to help with kind of the front end of this. Because, you know, we do interact with so many different partners who, or so many different customers, rather, that uh, deal with regulatory compliance, um, we find that, you know, we can really shorten the learning curve pretty significantly by spending just a, a few days with people and sharing some of those best practices. Again, I want to draw a little bit on your customer experience. I mean, you spent time out talking with people in the banking industry. I think we all have a sense that, that new regulation and new regulatory oversight is coming. It's just a question of what and when. And I guess I'd ask you, drawing from what you hear, what sort of compliance trends are you looking at in 2009? And where do you think Tripwire can, can lend a hand to people? Well, yeah, when we look ahead at some of the trends that seem to be emerging, you know, I, I think a lot of the in, um, sort of information-specific regulations like uh, the PCI standards will continue to accelerate. Um, but we're also seeing that, you know, there are things like uh, FFIEC guidelines. There are, uh, you know, uh, even, you know, particularly internationally, we're seeing people, um, you know, start to use standards-based, like some of the ISO regulations, uh, uh, to hold people accountable to best practices for security and saying, okay, well, regardless of the industry that you're in, these best practices make sense in terms of protecting information risk. And, um, you know, so I would say we're seeing uh, an increase happening already around assurance and accountability, which relate back to financial reporting and protection of personal financial information. 
Um, and then there are also internal controls to check for things like, you know, changes within financial applications to make sure that people are, are not allowed to, you know, sort of uh, alter key information inside of financial systems, uh, that they're not allowed to sort of go back and revise the past and, and so forth. Um, from a tripwire perspective, you know, we have the world's largest library of uh, CIS benchmarks, and CIS is the Center for Internet, Internet Security, and uh, they're a, an independent organization that looks across multiple types of standards and provides very prescriptive guidance on uh, how to operate IT infrastructure in a compliant way. Well, we have a lot of their standards uh, built into our products, so it makes it easy for people, you know, whether they're adopting CIS or ISO or have to be compliant with PCI or SOX, you know, we have these templates in place so that, you know, from day one you can start creating relevant reports about your infrastructure and manage and hold people accountable to those standards. You know, and as these things evolve, as we see, you know, more emphasis on a particular financial um, uh, regulation emerge, we adapt and we create new policies there. You know, so whether it's, uh, you know, in the government we're starting to see NIST and FISMA guidelines uh, become much more stringent. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, an increase in a lot of uh, personal financial information, personal health information uh, regulations, and, you know, all of those things have a lot in common in terms of, you know, those five competencies that I talked about. It really is about understanding what you have, holding people accountable for doing the right things, being able to audit that on an ongoing and automated basis, and then really policing the configuration management and change processes to ensure that the organization is actually managing proactively in a way that prevents risk and achieves compliance every day. And that's really the business that Tripwire's in, is helping people do that in a very effective and efficient manner. Safe to say that Tripwire and its customers are going to be very busy in 2009? Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, we're, we're very busy now, and uh, we only see it increasing. Dwayne, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Yeah, thank you. It was great. We've been talking with Dwayne Mellencon, Vice President of Corporate and Business Development with Tripwire. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.